Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. One of my first memories is like arguing with my dad to take off my training wheels and he like didn't think I was ready and then he like finally took them off and then I like rode a two-wheeler I like vividly remember it was like outside of our old house like right in front of the garage and he like he did not think I was ready but I believed that I was ready and then I like rode maybe like 20 30 feet then I didn't know how to turn I did a very sharp turn but I still kept my balance and then I came right back to him. And so he never had to even teach me how to ride a two-wheeler. I, I told him I was ready and then I went on the two-wheeler and he was like, okay, she knows how to already. <laughs> hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, the best mental toughness quotes that will make you better, just text Dr. Rob Bell, that's D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, to this number, 33444. You'll get a download right away. Are you one of nearly 7 in 10 Americans who doesn't feel fully rested when the alarm clock rings? Do you dread your mornings? Let's change that. Psalm Sleep is a drug-free, non-habit-forming sleep drink in a small can that can help save your nights from tossing and turning. Find out for yourself at getsom.com and stop dreading your alarm. Psalm Sleep, it gives you Z's. So our guest today on 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness is going to represent the United States and World Championships. Um, she's 26 years old. She's ridden BMX since the age of four. Um, She's won her first world championship at the age of nine. She's had 14 world titles. Um, our, uh, our guest today, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's definitely last minute because um, I love talking with Olympians, especially ones that are getting ready to go, um, is uh, Felicia Stans. Felicia, thank you so much for, for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. So i got to start with this, right? Reggie Miller. He posts on your Instagram all the time, right? Baller, baller, man. Tell, tell me, how'd, how'd that relationship develop? I actually met him through a friend, and he's very involved in the cycling community now. Um, and, yeah, he's just super nice. And um, I originally grew up in Illinois, and, of course, I knew who he was. But um, And then, like, I just casually met him through a friend, and, like, every one of my Indiana friends now is like, you know Reggie Miller? <laughs> Right. But yeah, he's a big cycling advocate and he's awesome. No, that's good. You ever talk with him about um, mental game stuff or anything? Connect with him on that level? Um, not. Oh, yeah, we've talked about a little just like our thought process. I'm like a little like hot pushers, but um, just a little, not too much. Yeah, I was always curious. So you got into BMX. Your dad was a BMX, right? I mean, how, how did that whole process develop when you first got into the sport? Yeah. So I think I'm one of the only, or one of the few BMX pros now that um, had a parent that raced professionally. 
you see a lot in other sports. Um, but currently I'm one of the only ones that has a parent that raced professionally. And I think it was like, honestly, a really big advantage for myself. Um, just have someone in the community and help me with training growing up. Um, but, um, yeah, my dad raced BMX till 25. He, till he was 25, he didn't become like double a pro, which is like the top, top, but he became a pro and, um, he knew a lot about the sport. And then right when he, um, he saw that I like had some natural ability on a bike at three years old. And I actually vividly remember like, um, this is one of my first memories is like arguing with my dad to take off my training wheels. And he like, didn't think I was ready. And then he like finally took them off. And then I like rode a two wheeler. I like vividly remember it was like outside of our old house, like right in front of the garage. And he like, he did not think I was ready, but I believed that I was ready. And then I like rode maybe like 20, 30 feet. Then I didn't know how to turn. I did a very sharp turn, but I still kept my balance. And then I came right back to him. And so he never had to even teach me how to ride a two wheeler. I, I told him I was ready. And then I went on the two wheeler and he was like, okay, she knows how to already. <laughs> so yeah, he showed me the sport and then asked me if I want to race. And, um, been going on the track ever since then. So I guess that skill right there when you're three years old, like believing that you were ready. I mean, that, that mentality has had to serve you well in all years of life, right? Yeah. Um, um, maybe I'm not extremely confident in everything in life, um, but um, maybe just the few things I'm extremely passionate about. I, I, yeah, I believe in myself. No, I love it. So I guess what about this question then? When, when on your journey was there kind of that moment that it's like, wow, I'm, I'm good at this? When, when was that? When do you first remember that? Growing up, I was honestly kind of oblivious. <laughs> like I, um, I always worked hard because my dad like brought me to the track a lot and practice a lot, but that's kind of all I knew. And then I remember I was starting to win some races, but my dad never like put me on like a pedestal or anything. Like after I won a race, he like told me good job, but then he like was like, okay, you need to like work on school now. So he, he was always proud of me, but he didn't like, um, he kept me leveled. I think yeah, just never, <laughs> never built it up. Right. Never really. And like, I honestly, like it took me till I was like probably older for me to realize like, okay, this is probably not the average like career. So yeah, it took me a while. I think my dad knew before me, obviously. Um, cause he was like spending money on me, like going to all these races. And so he had to believe in me, but, um, yeah, my dad, I think just kept me level where I was like, um, I just kept working hard and, not thinking too much of it. Yeah. Was there ever that moment though, that you were like, wow, I'm, I'm good. Um, I think probably my second world championships when I was 10 years old. Um, because like I won worlds when I was nine years old, my very first world championships. And, but that's like, it could be a one-time thing. But then I remember when I won my second one, 
um, my family had like a party for me after. Um, and it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I could do this again kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my dad pretty much kept me level after, like after the family party, it's like back to normal. So maybe around 10 years old, I thought I had something for it, but I never like thought further and further into the future. Like I just kind of was still like a 10 year old kid, like wanting to play with my friends, like the two days after world championships or the races. So I didn't think much into it. Um, older when I was 16, that's when like more adult conversations started happening. It's like, okay, do you want to pursue this like as a career? But before then I was pretty much like a kid and like just wanted to play with my friends. Yeah. So 14 world titles, I'm, I'm always fascinated by this. I mean, you know, the, the process versus the product, right? The journey and the destination about what you do. Um, is the process, is that more important than the product? They're both important. Um, you need to like turn the switch on and off when it's time to do both. Um, Obviously, it's like school if you're like only thinking about wanting an A in class and not focusing on doing the work to get that A, um, then you're probably not going to get the A. So um, big thing as an athlete is just living in the moment um, and enjoy the process. Obviously, sometimes it's hard to enjoy because it could be like a lot of work. But um, yeah, there are times where you have to be very in the moment, uh, live in the process or like and uh, do the process, but um, turn it up when it's ready to turn up to get that end result. Mm -hmm. So what about your drive? Like, you know, the coaches that have talked about you talked about your extreme work ethic. I mean, what, what is it that really pushes you? Um, growing up, what, like having my dad and supporting me so much was like, probably a big reason how I became so successful growing up. And then I think honestly, that's like almost the only thing I like knew what to do. Like it was to work hard. My dad always told me to work hard, work hard. So growing up, I just, I honestly thought everyone worked hard. And, but then I look back and I'm like, wow, I worked really hard as a kid. Like during the summers, um, when kids are playing with their friends a lot, like I would still play with my friends once in a while, but my dad had this board and every single sprint I did, we would like tally the sprints on the board. And when I got to like a hundred or 150, he would like take me to the arcade. So it was like little things like that, that um, I guess were different, but I, I always wanted it. I, I was always like a very structured kid as well. Um, I also remember like I gave myself like a bedtime, like my parents like weren't really like they trusted me a lot, but I remember like giving myself bedtime. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to go to bed at 10. Like I just, I also, yeah, I just like structure growing up as well. Yeah. So that's fascinating me, especially being like a podcast host, right? Like I have to process information myself and then be able to ask the right question. But so and for any parents that are listening to this, right? So your dad, after winning a world championship, would be like, hey, great job. Okay, now it's kind of back to being a kid or whatever. But the process that you would do in practice, you check off after 150 sprints, then that's when the reward came. That was all through 
not the outcome, but that was all just through training and practice. Yeah. And I just like, my dad was like, I idolized my dad growing up. So like having just like four hours at the arcade with my dad, I was like, I'm going to work hard for this. I just loved it too. So yeah, he, we rewarded ourselves a little along the way of process. Um, and then, yeah, I think, yeah, there's definitely more reward during the process than the result. Hey there, good looking. If you're digging this podcast and check out our book, Puke and Rally, it's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. Just go to pukeandrallybook.com. Now back to the show. But I think it's fascinating because most parents would have that completely opposite, right? Like, you know, I mean, I try to tell every parent, win or lose, you know, we got to go to Chick-fil-A after. But uh, no, that's a fascinating piece. Um, Felicia, with, with this podcast, I mean, we talk about hinge moments, right? That one moment, one person, one event that connects who we are with who we become, makes all the difference in our lives. Can you share with us that hinge moment that's, that's happened to you? Yes. Um, I didn't realize this till probably after I graduated college because also like growing up, it's like all, you know, and there's not much like reflection. It's just like, it's all I knew is how to work hard, but definitely after college, um, I kind of did a lot of reflection of like, why am I the way I am? Like I even like pushed myself a lot in uh, school. Like I was like, wanted to, yeah, I just put, always push myself. So after college, I did reflection. And um, unfortunately, my mom passed away when I was three years old. So growing up though, like I didn't realize or like kind of think like I was a victim or any manner because it was all I knew. But definitely um, after I graduated college, I did a rough lot of reflection and like kind of think like would I be the same person if I had like a mom my entire life but yeah it's like it's one of those things where it's just yeah it's different but I also like like can't thank my dad enough because because of that happening I think my dad just like loved me a lot more and like put so much more effort into me and that's probably a big reason why I became who I was because it was just me and my dad. Um, I was the oldest kid. And then he had this daughter that was like somewhat athletic. And like, I was very go with the flow kid. And um, so for him, he just wanted to give me the best life. I think um, I also didn't realize this till I was older, like, cause it, as a kid, that's all, you know, like I, um, all I knew was I have this awesome dad and we ride bikes a lot. So I didn't know why, like he was always like every single week he brought me to the BMX track, like two to three times. Like he was so like, I worked really, really hard. I loved it. And, but like, I definitely looking back, like it's probably not normal for like a kid to go to practice so much and spend so much time um, with their dad, but it worked out. Like I'm here. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that story. So, I mean, all in lines with that, your dad has kind of a watch ritual when it comes to watch you in finals race, right? Um, and that's going to be switched up even for him with like the Olympics. I mean, unfortunately, you know, after, you know, I mean, all the restrictions, everything's tough for everybody to go and watch. But what, um, 
share with us how does he watch like your finals and then what's going to be his process coming up for, for this year? <laughs> um, starting at nine years old, that was when I had my first world championships. Um, he always chose to stand by himself during the finals. He, he just cares a lot. So he's nervous. Um, he didn't tell me this later in life, but it's pretty funny now looking back. Um, so yeah, every single world championships, he stood by himself and in world championships, there's usually each country has like a section in the stands. So every single year he would go to a different section of a different country that like didn't know who he was, couldn't speak English and just stood by himself in like the other country's stands and watch me race, which is so funny. Um, but this year, um, because of COVID, he will not be going to Japan. Um, but NBC is sending two family members of each qualified athlete to Universal. Uh, so my dad and my sister are going to Universal for this like five-day trip. Of They get to go to parks during the day. And then every single night, there's like a viewing party slash or a dinner slash viewing party. So he's going to be like in this room with all these people, cameras on him. And he's not going to be able to be by himself, which is... Um, kind of funny, but um, it'll be good to see his reaction during the racing. It should be really funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just I thought I thought that's that story kind of cracks me up because um, I totally get it. I totally get it. With um, so with the Olympics coming up, I mean, and again, watching BMX is all I've ever done. Is is it the sport where the start has so much meaning to it? The start is very, very important for BMX racing. Um, however, this track is longer than any track I've ever raced on. So there was a new track builder for this Olympics. We've had the exact same track builder for uh, 08, 12, and 16. So BMX was introduced to Olympics in 2012, and it's had the same track designer for those three years. So this fourth Olympics for BMX racing, we have a different track designer and he made this track very long um but we've all of us athletes have known about it for about two years now so um it's not a shock to any of us now we've been adjusting our training but races are typically 40 seconds and for tokyo it will be almost 50 seconds for first place which is a big difference um during the test event i raced on the track that i'll be racing in a couple weeks um, in September or October of 2019, I did the test event and entering the last turn is where the finish line normally is. So you have like a whole other straightaway just to like keep pushing. And I felt the burn in my leg. So hopefully this time around um, I'm a little more fit and get to the finish line a little easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what is the format for the Olympics? Do they have prelims, finals? How does that whole process work? Yeah, so the we compete on two days, the 29th and 30th. There is 24 girls and 24 guys that qualify for my entire sport. Um, so the first day, all 24 of us will be competing. And I'm not sure if it's, they're separating, separating us into three or four motos, but I believe only 16 qualify to the second day. So we'll all do three laps the first day. I know we do three laps. And then the second day, there'll only be the top 16 people. 
and then we'll do three laps again with eight people and then the top four of all those like so after the three laps your places are added up and the best four like the most consistent best four will qualify to the final of each top eight moto so then you'll have the top eight that's how you bring it down top eight and then the final is one lap done so assuming i qualify to the final i will be running three laps the first day four laps the second day how much time do you have in between laps there is 30 minutes is the closest time which is uh not too uh close uh for the world cups races it's usually 20 minutes so i'm happy it's they brought it to 30 because the track is a little longer sure so um but yeah it'll, it'll still be pretty quick because the finals day will do four laps so it'll be pretty quick how do you and how do you flush the legs then in between that after the lap we pedal we cool down yeah. then uh just a couple minutes and then video review talk to coach um maybe get a little more like uh fuel in us uh, hydration, then start to warm up again for the next one. So, right, right. yeah, it's pretty time crunch, especially for the World Cups when it's 20 minutes. Um, I can't tell you how time crunched it is. And by the final, it's like you're so tired because it's like you do that consistently to make it a last lap. So I'm pretty um, happy we'll have a full 30 minutes. That no, extra 10 awesome. minutes is going to go a long way in the legs. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I assume though, you being a structured individual, I mean, you had that you'll have that 30 minutes dialed in to the minute, right? Um, you, yeah. And no, I, yeah. I've done so many races that I know what I like, but also like after a lap, I kind of go by feel too. Like, okay. I feel like I'm able to like be done cooling down. So yeah, race day, there is an aspect like of just feeling and knowing yourself. Um, yeah, everything isn't, as like perfect in practice because things can come up, um, sure. media can come up. You could get a flat tire in between something. So like things come up, you need to be somewhat flexible on race day, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go off feel. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I love it. And that's why I like asking those questions. Cause I believe like champions, they, they need to be able to adjust, right? Like you have the overall outline of what you need to do, but you got to be able to adjust and exactly in different environments. Um, when it comes to mentally, like, do you, do you hate to lose more? Like winning's great, right? We love to win and the thrill of like winning, but do you, do you hate to lose more than you love to win? I always love asking, you know, elite champions that. Depends what race. Um, yeah, it truly depends what race it is. If I come to a race and I like BMX. There's so many variables. Um, but if I come to a race and I believe that I could have done better than the result, then I will be pretty like down on myself or like, dang it. Like that one will hold yeah. for a bit. But if I go to a race and like get second place, but I truly feel that I made the most of that day and second, like the girl in first was just better Then I will be content with that. So it really depends. It's like, um, there, we race so much for BMX. Um, this will be my first Olympics too. So I don't know how I will experience this. I'm going to give my, 
my all, but um, usually in this, if I if I give it my best, and I, if I feel like that's why I deserved. But there, yeah, there has been races though that like I was like, dang, I I should have won that. Man, I'd yeah. be pretty, pretty mad. <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing for me about BMX is you know with swimming, I mean, you have lane lines. So no one's, you know, you can just focus just on your race. I mean, when, how do you judge yourself then when it comes to, cause there's a lot of factors that are out of your control. How do, how do you kind of evaluate yourself and, uh, you know, critique yourself? Out of the start? Well, just the, the oh, overall around, race. Around the whole track. Um, we practice so much that like, I know how I should be doing everything. Like if I miss a pedal in a spot, um, if I tag a jump a little bit, if I come out of the start slow or not, like my positioning in different um, like manner than it should be to get the best drive out of the gate. So yeah, there's a lot of form and uh, skills that go around to keep like to make you faster. Like if you get a backside perfect. So there's a lot of things that we see on the BMX track that probably like an average person wouldn't. Um, but yeah, um, we critique ourselves pretty hard. We're perfectionists, definitely. Like, you need a perfect lap. And, like, it's like a combination of going all out plus being calm. Like, yeah. I could tell if I'm, like, a little fidgety for, like, a second. I was like, what was I doing in that one second of that 50 seconds? Yeah. So we could break it down pretty pretty well. <laughs> Will you visualize the whole race? Yeah. I've already have most of it visualized right now already. You just so, keep what's your process work through with that i honestly just like think about it so much like after uh training day we have a replica for straight right now mm -hmm. and um i watched my uh practice laps so many times that i could like sit down right now and know exactly how i feel during everything um but yeah just lots of watching practice videos it's just engraved in your mind and it helps having the replica first straight here so i already like know like how much i should pull up on the, each jump uh where i need to attack it where i need to uh probably be a little more calm so oh that's awesome and when you when you visualize are you always doing it through your own eyes or from like uh, a tv screen like if you're watching yourself which one do you like my, best? Own, my own eyes yeah i could just like see myself doing it and there's so much feel, I guess, with, with that race too. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, believe it or not, I think it's like one of the first visual, visualization questions I've ever asked. I've had so many athletes on there, but I'm just dialed in. What, um, what question, Felicia, should I be asking um, that I'm not quite asking? We've covered a lot. Um, vis visualization is definitely a, probably a big part of BMX because um, it's 50 seconds. So um, those 50 seconds do need to be absolutely perfect to uh, have your best lap. So I, I didn't really think of like other sports, but yeah, like we, the track is so long. You have to like, remember what you're doing on every single part. Plus things can happen next, like next to you with other people. So BMX, there's eight people on a gate and there's no rules pretty much. Like you have to like hit every obstacle, but if you want to come out and hit someone, you can, it's like not good to do that because then it'll slow yourself down. 
but there are people that have done that. And so, um, yeah, vis visualization definitely helps us a lot in BMX. Um, but any other question? Um, um, Does that help then if you have a teammate that's next to you? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Well, maybe a little, if you practice with them a lot, you guys will like trust each other and like, but at the end of the day, it is an individual sport. So everyone is trying to win. Like right. everyone is, and everyone's going to be fast at the Olympics too. Like everyone will be fast and everyone's trying to win. So that doesn't help much either. Um, but yeah, it just the start is very, very important. So you got to get out as best you can. Yeah. And what's it like? I do have one more question. What's it like when you have that little girl that comes up to you after after a race? It's such a warm feeling because I remember how I felt being that um, vividly like my favorite pro uh, being that young. I remember when a pro girl, like I remember telling my dad this growing up. I remember when a pro girl that I just idolized said hi to me. I was like, dad, how does she know who I am? She said hi to me. So, um, and so just remembering how I felt as a young girl and um, just all of those amazing role models. Um, I would like to be that for the, uh, for the next generation. So yeah, it's such a warm feeling and um, I always hope that they continue and keep pushing themselves more and more. No, that's awesome. Um, well, hopefully after, World, so world championships, that's two weeks after the Olympics, too. Yes. <laughs> Fascinating schedule there. Yeah. After the Olympics, I'll come back for two weeks, and then I fly out to the Netherlands. So if I do well, I still need to keep training hard, too. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be training hard no matter what. Those are the two big races for this year. And the first race are pretty similar, but I'm, I'm very excited for both. Got to focus on the first one, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. One, one race at a time. I get it with, um, well, hopefully after that, um, you can come back on, um, podcast and, and share with us how the process went. We, I know a lot of people love to hear about it. Yeah, it should be fun. I definitely will. Um, I'm excited to see how it is too. I think we'll be like a lot in our own bubble at the race. Obviously like it's Olympics. We're there for business. Um, but on top of that COVID, we're going to be especially more in a bubble than uh, usual. So that is going to be an experience itself. Mm -hmm. I believe when we land in the airport, it's going to be six hours from when we land to finally being cleared because we have to take a COVID test right when we land. Um, so it's going to be um, a bit different Olympics, but at the end of the day, I'm just very excited. I have an opportunity to race and very grateful. And yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm excited to race. It's yeah, a, absolutely. Two, and a, two and a half weeks. Crazy. <laughs> well, champions are just, I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to throw you off. Love it. Try my best. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.